I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. In recent decades, wildfires have ravaged many areas of the country, especially the Western United States. Scientists note that climate change will worsen ongoing drought conditions, which will in turn increase the frequency and intensity of wildland fires. When the flames are extinguished, a new threat arises, flooding after fire. After large-scale wildfires, the ground is left burned, barren, and unable to absorb water. That means when there's a rain shower or thunderstorm, rainfall that would normally be absorbed will run off and flow downhill, picking up ash and debris to form mud flows and flash flooding. This puts residents living in and around burn scars at greater risk. And because it takes time for the vegetation in burned areas to regrow, the risk of flooding after wildfire lingers for years. On today's episode, we turn it over to our partners in FEMA Region 8, located in Denver, Colorado, as we learn more about the risks of flash flooding and mud flows following a wildfire, and what you can do to protect yourself and your property. We'll also learn about how our partners at the National Weather Service office in Boulder, Colorado, are working on new products to communicate with the public on the dangers of flooding in burn scar areas. I'm Lynn Kimbrough with our FEMA Region 8 team in Denver, Colorado. With me today is Peter Reinhardt, the floodplain management specialist here, and Greg Hevener, the warning coordination meteorologist at the National Weather Service office in Boulder, Colorado. We're talking today about the threat of flash flooding that comes after a wildfire. Greg, start us off by talking a little bit more about what it means when we say flood after fire. Sure. So basically after every kind of fire, actually after fires ongoing, uh, offices across the western half of the country that deal with the mountainous terrain uh, are looking at ways to help predict when we're going to have flash floods or even debris flows along some of the, uh, the bigger, larger wildfires that do burn in the timberland areas. Uh, basically, flood the fire, you know, the surface that the fire burns becomes almost impervious to any kind of water. Um, so therefore, the water kind of runs off into areas, streams and creeks right down straight the mountainside or down roadways too, uh, cause the potential for life-threatening impacts and just due to the rushing water and debris that carries with it downhill. Peter, you have a background in local floodplain management, but you really have a passion around raising awareness of the unique danger of flooding and mud flows that can happen after a wildfire. Talk to us a little bit about your work on this. Well, we're all aware of the wildfires that have been impacting the western part of the United States over the past several years. But the increased risk of flood after fire is something that isn't always on the minds of people living downslope of burn scars. So FEMA Region 8 created a flood after fire team to address floodplain management and insurance issues following these devastating wildfires and drought conditions resulting from climate change. This was a first not only in a regional office, but also nationally. And over the past few years, the flood after fire team has been highly effective reacting to numerous wildfire events to make sure that property owners are aware of the increased risk of flooding and mud flows and the availability of flood insurance. Greg, can you highlight some of the initiatives and maybe some of the products that your office and other National Weather Service offices in Colorado have worked on to help educate people on the threat of flooding that follows a wildfire? So like I said before, too, I'll go back to one of the very first statements I made that, you know, once a fire has occurred, that's when we're starting to do the work, the mitigation work we're doing in our offices, messaging work to say, hey, potential now exists for you to have these issues 
for the next you know five to ten years across your area. Um, in the past, uh, offices across the West have done a lot of uh, public outreach, social media. You know, telling people exactly what a f- you know flash flood or a flood watch versus a flood flash flood warning is, what it means, what you do, what what actions you have to take once that's issued, how to get it, you know, in a timely fashion too. Uh, lots of uh, public meetings, working with the local and state emergency management contingent to help spread the word. Again, help people plan and prepare for when those heavy rain events occur on those freshly charred grounds. Again, what you're supposed to do and how you can save you know, your life and your family's lives. So talk to us a little bit about why it's so important to get this message out. Most people think of uh, flooding occurring adjacent to streams or rivers or other bodies of water. However, flood after fire risk typically occurs in areas that aren't mapped. And because these are temporary conditions, FEMA will not update their mapping showing these increased risks. So people need to reach out to their local communities, such as their floodplain administrator or emergency manager, who would be able to help them in understanding their risk in that area. Is there a, a visual cue that someone in a, in a wildfire area might have? Something that we like to say is, in general, if people look up and see the burn scar from where they're located, then they're at an increased risk of flooding after fire. Yeah. So even if they had not been in a a risk area prior to that, they look up and see that, there's your sign. Correct. A lot of people may remember uh, in Colorado, uh, the Grizzly Creek Fire uh, because there were, and still are, I believe, some lasting impacts from that. Is that an example of what you're talking about? That's correct. So what happened was the wildfire event took place, and that's right along Interstate 70, which is a large thoroughfare from the East Coast to the West Coast. And it has impacted um, on numerous occasions for uh, small rain events will cause mud flows as well as uh, flash flooding downslope and impacting the highway, which has resulted in backup of traffic, delays, and just closing down the highway for weeks at a time. The 2020 uh, you know, wildfire year uh, was tremendous. Is the largest, the two largest wildfires in state history occurred. We have seen just really a quarter inch, maybe even a half inch of rain that falls in, in a quick succession, causes you know mudslides to occur. Unfortunately, uh, a couple of years ago, people were trapped on I-70 uh, when one of these debris flows and mudslides occurred after a heavy rain storm down there in the Glenwood Canyon area. People driving that route would have to take an alternate route to get to where they wanted to go, which could add an additional four plus hours on their uh, travel time. Uh, farther north across northern Colorado, East Troublesome and Cameron Peak fires are constantly producing debris flows and flash flooding. Unfortunately, with some fatalities involved too, people who are basically right along the creeks uh, that the, some of those uh, burn scarred areas drain into. Uh, and then across Southern Colorado, you know, we've had our fair share the past couple of years too with some pretty nasty debris flows, uh, several county roads being washed out along the Spring Creek, uh, burn scar down in the Werfano, Castilla County side. So pretty much anywhere you go from anywhere in, in the west side of the country that has a, a Timberland fire that occurs, uh, we're going to have issues with uh, water that rain on the, the burn scar. What about ongoing drought conditions? Uh, Different parts of the country, some in the West, uh, other parts of the country as well, have experienced drought conditions. How does that impact the flood after fire risk? So basically the climate change and the drought aspect have really kind of lengthened what we typically would call like a fire season. Now it's almost like a year-round occurrence. So every calendar month of the year, potential for fire exists depending on, you know, the climate, how how dry, how, you know, windy it's been as well too. 
like you mentioned before, the Marshall Fire, you know, it occurred you know, the day before, you know, New Year's Eve in December of last year. Um, the day after, six, six hours after that fire had occurred, we got about a half a foot, a foot of snow in spots. So it was kind of an insult to injury, and we'll say. Um, but the climate change in general, again, is prolonging the number of, of days, active fire days throughout any given year across the western half of the country. Really anywhere in the country, but western half of the country will focus on for this uh, purpose. When it comes to climate change, too, for the heavy rain aspect, we're starting to see more of those what we maybe call extreme you know, rain events. You know, the 50, 100 year, 1500 year, 1000 year events are becoming a little bit more frequent. So we're kind of really broadening our scope in terms of the impact spectrum uh, has gotten a lot wider. So the in- extremes we had, say, 10, 15 years ago are almost becoming more of the norm in a sense. We're seeing larger spreads in the extremes versus the very, very dry and the very, very wet are becoming a lot wider. The goalposts are shifting on us. With warmer weather conditions and drought conditions, as you mentioned, we have more tinder available for wildfires to occur and we're seeing larger, faster spreading and higher intensity wildfires out here. As a result, we're seeing larger burn scar areas that can potentially have a higher risk for areas downslope of those burn scar areas. How long does that risk last? Typically, the increased risk of flood after fire can last up to five or more years or basically until the vegetation has had a chance to reestablish and that watershed stabilizes. So basically, depending on, on how hot the fire burns and how long it burns for a certain area, it can bake the soil to a part where it becomes almost like asphalt or concrete. Um, and that does not allow any water to penetrate. So it's basically said the water kind of runs off like it would in an urban area. Lots of concrete, lots of asphalt. Water can't drain through it, so therefore it runs off sometimes in a fast manner. Um, we've seen effects from some of the larger, hotter fires go from anywhere from five to even 10 years after the fire has been contained and put out that we're having issues on those burn scars uh, for you know, basically about a decade worth of, of time. And again, that's year in, year out. And we have heavy rain, it poses a threat you know, to lives and property. So the flood after fire program and the team that Region 8 has kind of put together here, that focus is really uh, uh, outreach, outreach and education. That's correct. Mostly it's reaching out to the states and to local communities to get that information out to pass on to the local residents so they understand the risk of flood after fire post wildfire events. There are great social media graphics I've seen from your weather offices. One is a chart that highlights past major wildfires, color codings with green, yellow, and red that really indicate that threat for potential flash flooding along those burn scar areas. Can you touch on that product? What exactly it shows and some of the feedback you've received? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, that's a really powerful tool. Thank you for bringing it up too. The, the, the flash flood matrix, burn scar matrix. You know, pick, you know, days of the week either can be like an entire day or if we know certain days of that week, it can definitely be a lot more volatile. We can break it down to certain hours throughout that day. And as far as what impact level we expect, whether it's like a low, medium, higher, even an extreme impact expected, kind of based on the probability of having heavy rain occur across that burn scar, therefore producing impacts again to lives and property. So we're really highlighting, focusing it on those particular burned areas. Uh, and let people, you know, that way people are aware. You know, Colorado, we get a lot of visitors from out of the state. People go into the high country, into the mountains where some of these wildfires, you know, had burned uh, and maybe unaware that there are issues out there with, you know, rain on, on, on burn scars. So this kind of helps to highlight some of that too for visitors outside of the states. 
just be like, hey, this weekend or these days during this week, be prepared for the potential of flash flooding from this burn scar because of where you're located. Social media has become such a powerful tool, helps us you know, reach a, a much larger audience. We work constantly too with our local TV media markets too. Uh, when it comes to relaying messages in you know, the days that we do expect to have some higher end impacts, you know, on a, a an, on a burn scar. Uh, what FEMA 8 has done, though, too, with some of the social media campaigns you have, the, you know, the, the flood after fire, that's been a really good tool for us to use because you get all the offices within the region itself kind of helping to answer the questions that FEMA is proposing, which, again, is really good social media interaction with the public in general. And they're seeing this collaborative message come across. You know, it's a really, really powerful tool. So we would kind of lean on heavily on the social media aspect uh, to help get word out there from other partners as well, too. And if, if someone, you know, is reporting something out there, like a county emergency manager is reporting an issue, you know, we're highlighting that, too, uh, via our social media means to kind of say, hey, heads up, here's what's happening on the ground right now. Kind of that situational awareness people need to have during this monsoon time of the year. What can people do? Uh, for those who are living in an area that may be impacted, uh, wh what can they do in part to help protect themselves? What would you say to someone uh, who may be impacted by a nearby burn scar? People need to be prepared both for themselves as well as for their investments. They should talk to their local emergency manager. They'll be the most knowledgeable about the risks for their specific area and are a great resource with everything from how to protect your home from natural disasters to creating an evacuation plan. Also, purchasing a flood insurance policy is the best way for people to protect themselves financially from flooding. And I think um, a lot of people may not realize how devastating even small amounts of floodwaters can be, how, how impactful that is. One inch of water can cause roughly $25,000 worth of damage in a home. So to protect yourselves and to be able to move on from a flood event, it's a good idea to purchase flood insurance. There are some nuances to flood insurance, uh, and it starts with the fact, I think, uh, many people may assume they have flood insurance if they have homeowner's insurance. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that uh, people really should be aware of on the flood insurance front. So it's important for people to understand that typical homeowner's insurance doesn't cover flooding. People should review their insurance policies for their homes now and not wait to purchase a flood insurance policy. There are some other nuances around flood insurance that people don't necessarily know about. For example, I, I, the forecast says it's going to rain, you know, five days straight. I guess, okay, I'll go buy my flood insurance. It's not going to help me, is it? No. Insurance policies generally don't go into effect immediately. There's a 30-day waiting period from when you purchase your insurance policy until that policy actually goes into effect. So people should purchase a policy sooner than later. So it's important to know about your risk. and then. If you have that information, then you can make some good decisions about what you want to do to help protect yourself, your, your family, your, your home, your investment, if you will. What would you say uh, to someone who's like, yeah, you know, I actually am in a burn scar area. I see that, but, you know, I made it through the, the winter last year just fine, so I'm fine. Well, the risk for flood after fire can last for five or more years until the vegetation has reestablished and the watershed has stabilized. And anyone living in a community that participates in the NFIP, or National Flood Insurance Program, is eligible to purchase flood insurance whether or not they're located in a floodplain. And if anyone has questions about flood insurance or needs assistance in finding an agent or provider in their own state, they should go visit the floodsmart.gov website. So there are really two different sources for flood insurance. There is the National Flood Insurance Program, but then also 
private insurance and and homeowners, property owners could explore both options potentially? That's correct. We just want people to make sure they understand the risks of, of flooding and protect themselves to get a policy. And kind of going back to what you said earlier, the only way to really do that is to know what your risk is. And that's part of what we're doing today, raising the awareness. Peter, it's reassuring to know that FEMA is trying to raise awareness of the flood after fire risk. What would you say is the most important thing that you would like us to take away? I think the most important thing is to get messaging out to residents to provide them with the information of the increased risk that they're at due to these wildfires and the risk of flood after fire downslope of the burn scars. Providing that information and the knowledge, they can make an informed decision on how to truly protect themselves. And as we wrap up here, what are some of the resources, Greg, that you'd like to share with listeners today on where they can learn more about the risk of flooding after a wildfire? Sure. So, you know, FEMA A's got a really good flood after fire uh, portal. Uh, Red Cross has got some stuff too, uh, in general, as far as planet preparedness. And then our website too, uh, weather.gov slash B-O-U. Uh, for Boulder. Uh, and that allows you know, uh, basically access to information again about you know, where the wildfires were, where the burn scars are, you know, what kind of impacts are expected any given day from, you know, from those heavier rains potential on those burn scars. Thanks for listening to this episode of Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, or have ideas for future episodes, visit us at fema.gov slash podcast. Thank you.